the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We know him as Doubting Thomas, one of the disciples. Wouldn't believe that Jesus was alive unless he saw him and touched him. How about you? What's it take for you to believe? Join us. So that is the $6 million question, isn't it? What will it take for you to believe? Now, Jesus didn't really chide Thomas for his doubting, but he did go on to say that there is a greater blessing for those who would believe by faith. Today, here on Truth For Today, we continue our survey of John. We're in chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, and that question is the title of our message today. What will it take for you to believe? Here's Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Trust, trust that something in me says, I will trust what I have revealed in these facts. Now, here's something interesting. What, what saves? Let me ask you this. What saves? The facts Jesus died, buried, rose again. Do those facts save or does the person save? Does just Jesus die, buried, rose again, does that save you? Now, he said these people were saved unless they believed in vain. The issue is you don't throw out the gospel, but the gospel must reach through the facts to the person. It's the person that saves. The person. And the person knows when in your heart you've assented to the facts, and in your heart, You've stretched out the empty hand of faith and says, I take you, Christ, as my Savior. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you. I have believed in you. Now, today, we have so much confusion among people. Uh, I believe. I believe. I know the facts. And yet, there's no life change. There's nothing different about what's going on in their life. And so we say, is this authentic faith? Demons have faith. Demons have faith. They tremble at the thought there is God. Saving faith not only knows the facts, not only gives assent, but it reaches to the person. I am taking Christ personally as my Savior. I'm relying on him to save me. Because that's the only way, according to John, you could ever have eternal life. You do the Sermon on the Mount all your life, and you can't do it, but say you do, it won't give you eternal life. It never promised eternal life. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and John uses it 100 times, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. God so loved the world, he gave his son, that whosoever believeth shall be saved. Believe, believe, that is the hallmark term from John's gospel. Believe, 
Believe that Jesus is the Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he is risen, for he's talking to us in a resurrected body here. Resurrected body. Now, we pick up his patience with the doubting man. Now, when you read the life of Thomas in John 11, Thomas, he thought Jesus was going to be killed, and they were going to go to Jerusalem to see him killed. And Thomas says in chapter 11, Let's go to Jerusalem, and I'll die with you. So this is a loyal follower of Christ. He truly is. He's really a disciple. But because he missed that week before, and they say, we've seen him in his resurrection body, he simply says, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I don't take the word of Mary. I don't take the uh, the word of the women. I don't take the word of you guys in this room. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it for myself. And of all things, Christ shows up in the room. It's all locked up, and boom, he's there. How did he get in? I don't know. He didn't have to go through the door. Just showed up. And immediately, he, this is an interesting thing. Guess what, Thomas? Uh, I know what you've been saying. I was here last week and I missed you. But I know what you've been saying ever since. I've shown up to answer your doubt and give you something that's a gift. I'm going to let you examine me. And I want to show you my hand and show you my side. Help yourself. And of course, he makes this great confession. My Lord and my God. He believes unmistakably. Let me ask you, would you believe if a resurrected man stood in front of you and let you touch his body? Jesus said in Luke 16 that even if a man came back from the dead to tell you the gospel, if you don't believe God's word, that won't even save you. You won't believe a resurrected man if you don't believe the word of God. But Jesus makes that great, great beatitude. Blessed are you, Thomas, for believing for what you've seen. But more blessed will be those utterly millions of believers in the future who will not get to examine my body, who will not get to touch me. Guess what? We're all waiting to get there to do the touching. I don't mind saying I want to touch him when I see him. I believe he's there. I have no doubt about it. I've already put faith in him. But guess what? To finally say, my faith gives way to sight. And we see him who was crucified and risen and saying, trust me in the meantime. Trust me in the meantime. What does he give you for your doubts? He gives you the word. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you irrefutable proof in the early witnesses that This is the Son of God. This is who he really said he is. This is the purpose for which the book was written. Maybe you got questions about the 20 chapters we've been in. If you've got a Q&A, we'll we'll take questions from you. Uh, Would somebody man a mic? I thought Larry was around here. Oh, there's Larry. Uh, And so let's just ask questions pertaining to these uh, themes in John, and we'll be glad to hear them from you. See if you've been listening at all.
Okay. Who is it out there? You got a question? Phil, they believe that Lazarus is dead, correct? Right. Okay. They, so he actually was physically dead. And right. Jesus, Three days. And when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, what was their, uh, their reason for not believing who Christ, his deity, was? It's amazing that unbelief can refute any evidence. Yeah, that was a problem. They didn't believe. And uh, that, I think this is what we think, even as Christians. If we could only give them more proof, if we could only present our argument better, and I don't know about a lot of you, I'm amazed at how little truth I knew when I got saved, and I got saved. You know, we've got it so loaded as theological types. You've got to jump 18 hoops even to get saved. You've got to have all the definitions of the Reformation. No, I need a Savior. I'm going to hell. I hear he saves sinners. I want you, Jesus. Anybody get saved that easy? Thank you. You didn't know what Nosha was. You couldn't spell tulip. You know, you didn't know anything about Reformation theology. And so, he just saved us when we reached out. I believe you're the son of God. I need a great savior. But unbelief, uh, we keep saying, I often have used the illustration, <coughs> if I told a blind man, uh, if I ask him, uh, how many fingers do you see? Uh, I don't know. Then I say, you know what he needs? More fingers. <laughs> how many? I said, I gave you all the proof. The human heart is blind, according to 1 Corinthians. The natural man will not welcome the things of God. Satan in 2 Corinthians 4 blinds the minds of the unbelieving, lest they see Christ in the gospel. So we're always up against supernatural interference called satanic. Only God enabled you to believe. Only God. And only God will enable our loved ones that we're praying for. All right, someone else. You, you just touched on what I was going to ask. How, your sermon, how did that blend with God having to open your eyes? See, God had to open my eyes. Yes. And it didn't matter how many times I heard it until he opened my eyes. Yes. Well, look, there's a verse, Barbara in Acts, that's quite interesting. Let's see, chapter 13. Uh, let me read it to you. Um, and when the Gentiles heard this, the gospel, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed To eternal life, believed. Is that what your Bible says? Most of you aren't even looking. It's on you. I told you the verse. 1348. Uh, look at a verse that John said. John 6. No one, 44 can come to me unless 
The Father who sent me draws him. Do you see that? Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. This is called sovereign election. Nobody gets saved accidentally. And it takes the special work of the Father to get you to come. You weren't accidentally saved. You were saved by sovereign decree. And God will see that the elect come. And they will believe. And if you don't believe, you're giving evidence you're not chosen. His chosen people believe. Because we have to have divine help to believe. The facts aren't enough. The evidence is not enough. The, the witnesses aren't enough. The miracles aren't enough. Even in a resurrected body, I won't believe unless he lets me touch him. It shows how stubborn we are and say, well, why did I believe it and they didn't? It's called amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a stubborn wretch like me. I was in church, but I didn't want it. I knew it, but I didn't want it. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want Jesus either. See, that was my dilemma. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want Jesus either. I want to boogie, be cool. Too young to be a Christian. And you've got a young body at 14. You want to really, you know, stir up the town, you idiot. <laughs> so we don't want Christ. We don't want hell. And we won't do the only thing that will end it. Believe. And so us who do believe, instead of throwing a boasting party that we're so great, we got it so good, we're so far beyond our neighbors who didn't. We will say, the Father especially do me. The Father opened my eyes. The Father. It's either that or your will is stronger than your neighbors. And your will is as corrupt as your neighbors. Only God can make you one his son. Only God. And, and I'm sorry it's that way. But he's just unattractive to the natural man. Next. Someone else. Yes. Yeah, Pastor. Oh, sorry. I've got a voice. Okay, Pastor Howard. Uh, in uh, John 20, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. Okay. Okay. I have always heard and been taught that the Holy Spirit came upon the day of Pentecostal. Right. And uh, we had this discussion in another Bible class that I am in. And the ladies were discussing this back and forth. And they're, they come up with the fact that the disciples just need a little of the Holy Spirit to hold them for the next 50 days. <laughs> until the Holy Spirit actually descended upon the earth and to all of those that believed. Could you highlight it for me and make it clear? I can't see Jesus giving the disciples a little Holy Spirit. What he gives, he gives. Yes. So yes. if you could clear that up for me, I'd appreciate it. Okay, we looked at the... Were you here last week, Linda? Get, get the, uh, the message. Because uh, we, we understand that to be... It, it's symbolic. He promised them the Spirit in John 14 and 15. And he didn't breathe on them. Uh, the, on them. He just... Whoosh, 
breathe. And when he did that, he said, receive the spirit. I don't believe the spirit came in that room. Don't believe that. Because all the way through Acts and church history, they knew the day of Pentecost is when the spirit came. But I think in symbol, he's saying, receive the spirit. Didn't tell him it's going to be 40 days from now when I send it. But I'm, I'm going to breathe him. And in that upper room, the breath certainly went through it. And all the signs and the miracles and uh, the tongues and everything that happened to welcome the coming of the Spirit. Uh, so I, I take it to be symbolic. And, oh, I, uh, John MacArthur, D.A. Carson. Uh, I'll give you a bunch of people if you want to read them on it. I'm not just making it up. Yeah. So we just think that was symbolic. Someone else? To your far right, Pastor. To your far right. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, good afternoon. Um, I won't try to uh, remember the first two words that you spoke. One that meant fact, and the other one was will, I believe. Uh, it was like assent. Uh, one was notia, fact, the right. knowledge, then assent. Uh, I buy this. I believe this is true. You believe it's true? Yes. Okay, so fiducia, I am familiar with. That means once you have the other two, that you understand that it's fact and you accept that. So that fiduciary responsibility now falls upon us to communicate that to people that need to be saved or even accepting it as yourself. Right. Do I understand that correctly? Right. So you start with facts, start with the gospel. Start with the work of Christ. And you explain what death, burial, and resurrection, what the implications of it are. That he paid it. Here are the facts. They need the gospel. They need to hear those. Then in the spirit of them, when there's a scent, I believe I'm being told the truth. I believe this is true. Then the heart, the empty hand of faith says, I take you, Lord Jesus. I, I'm, I believe if this is true of you, I want you. And so you reach out and commit, trust, you take him. And it's an act of your will. I, I want you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. So it's, it involves those three. Because sometimes people say, just facts. Facts. No, 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 no. You can know the facts all your life and not be saved. And uh, so, I mean, if you grew up here, especially when I first started this church, we all had our kids in Christian schools. If they went to Bethel or any of these schools, they heard death, burial, resurrection three times a day. I mean, the facts were just hit over and over, but it didn't mean they were saved. Is there anyone else? Okay. Then we'll pray over these kids. <coughs> Can I have the choir come to the stage now as we have Pastor answer this final one? Thank you. Um, if we could go just a little more on sovereign election. Uh, I, I have heard that a number of times, and I don't have a question more, just like for your, re, uh, your reaction. What I had been taught as a child is that uh, the idea that God, that no one can come to the Father unless he draws him. The Bible says that. And, but I understood that that means that God, try, that God draws everyone to him, that that's mm. a universal thing that God does. He doesn't say, I'm going to draw you and not you and those two over there. He doesn't draw that way. He draws everyone. But all that means is that it, he enables us to be able to respond to him. That, that's a common argument. Let me read to you um, 
what he said in the 637, uh, 44, he does the drawing. And if it's a universal that everybody, you know, everybody's drawn to the same degree. But notice 37 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. So let's maybe move from drawing uh, to giving. If we just change our term. All that the Father's going to give the Son will come. And so he wants the gospel to go to all. Uh, we're to evangelize all. We're to pray for all. And we just simply say, ultimately, the power to save is in God's hands. And he'll have to do the drawing. He'll have to do the giving. And uh, he'll cause that Acts 13, 48, uh, all that were destined to eternal life believed. And so it's not the issue is everybody given an opportunity. That should be our mission as a church. Be sure they're given the opportunity. Let's go. Let's evangelize. Let's share. But the ultimate results we know rest with God, not our ability to evangelize. Now, because you can beat yourself up all the... If I could tell it better, more would get saved. Well, uh, maybe the Father ought to draw better. He, he draws. So I think this is uh, it, what we call effectual. It's not, uh, he's not defeated in it. But the convicting work of the Spirit goes to the world, presenting those facts. And, uh, but your argument is a common one. It's not a bit uncommon. And that there's just a general call. Everybody's got the same amount of opportunity. And what I see in that, uh, it just lessens how difficult it is to be saved on one hand and how simple it is on the other I mean, just believe, just believe. We're not asking you to sign over your house. We're not asking you to be, per just believe. Why is it so hard? And that's why I ask, what does it take for God to get us to believe? And besides all the facts, he has to intervene and do the drawing, the giving. I mean, I'm telling you, if he didn't get involved, I don't care, hear Billy Graham every day of your life, you still won't be saved. He's got to do the drawing. He's got to do the giving. He's got, and uh, uh, I just, it's no other way. Unless we all just say we're all being defeated in our evangelism, we don't know how to get them saved. You know, once again, I, a lot of people say uh, they want me to be an evangelistic pastor because I don't ever preach the gospel. You know, I don't ever tell people how to be saved. I never explain the gospel here. How many times have I done Romans? I, mean, I, I, I say the gospel probably 10 times a week. I don't see people rushing down here to be saved. So I ought to be defeated, discouraged, beat up, because I'm obviously a failure as a preacher. No, no. Had I, and I want to tell you, I evangelized for seven years for Pentecostals. Seven years. And I stayed beat up most all the time because I couldn't get them saved. And God finally told me at a Bible college, I called you to teach my people, pastor my people, share the gospel, but you're not in charge of ultimate results. It's in my court. That gives me more comfort. So.
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then, we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name of God.